Chapter Twenty Two of Miss Ingalls by Gertrude Hall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty Two. In the dead of night, Grace wept deeply, endlessly, as one weeps only in youth, and in youth a few times only, but as it were fitting to weep at any age. If one could believe that the stars were blinded, the flowers withered, for good and all, love and happiness done with. So as not to waken Sita, she cried, inaudibly, as far as possible inside of herself. It seemed to her at one moment that, notwithstanding her efforts, Sita had heard, and was lying awake in strained immobility to listen. The diversion of this perception quelled her grief for a few minutes. The thing seemed too monstrous. But, upon the reflection that it was not different in that from all the rest, she wept on with reckless abandonment of the spirit. Her woe, translated into a wind-wall that swept through and whirled around her, would have carried to a distant ear, able to interpret the wind, one anguished, reiterated question. What snare is this that youth has set for my life? What pitfall had life prepared for my youth? Being alive, being young, nothing but that had involved loving, and contained the great illusion that what one loves must, by that same sign, be worthy. And now, what to do forever with this burden weighing down the heart, indestructible, useless, and ashamed. When the blackness of night was beginning to yield to the dawn, she placed her case on the knees of her father, that dear earthly father of whom she was surer that he would sympathize with her than she could be of the heavenly one. She asked him to ask the other, more powerful over events, to remember the extraordinary difficulties of his servant's present pass, not to forget, either, her consistent, if confused, groping after beauty of life, her return in sackcloth and ashes from the paths of worldliness into which her feet for a time had strayed. She wept till her head felt like sodden wood, and her eyes strange and drowned and diminished. Tears were wrung from her, by the contemplation of her personal tragedy and the tragedy of life in general till not one was left to shed and she lay emptied of grief as well as of joy then she slept for a few hours and awoke surprisingly calm her breast was as quiet as a sacked city of which all the inhabitants have been killed or carried into captivity Abel, in this suspension of sensibility to think with great singleness she elected to think thoughts of purposeful strength and of hope her term in this house was near its end the delayed letter would come to-day she should start forth on a walk at the right hour in relation to her train sita would be with her no doubt very well sita would behold her buying her ticket what could she do about it, little spy, except run home and tell? Too late to alter anything? 
there were others in the house who had not had their normal good night the delights of satisfied anger had retarded sleep for one of them as a too full repast might have done red overcome did not grudge the time taken from rest to indulge visions of the humiliation of one who had earned his hate sleep finally drowned out a bitingly zestful frame of mind to keep him however in dreamless darkness for all too short a while he emerged from it in the small first of the daybreak to feel annoyed at waking in this unaccustomed fashion before time to get up he accounted for his broken sleep by the fact that he was bothered about grace he was worse than bothered he was tormented her face of yesterday afternoon spurred him to find some remedy and that quickly to a misery that reacted on him in a searching pain through heart and vitals the poor child was her own first victim that obstinacy which made her stick to her point was like a weapon in her hands with which she wounded herself while wounding him she had her own kind of strength the darling dunce and his strength since she balked so at domination must not be put forth except so far as necessary to keep her from doing lasting mischief ingenuity was here in demand or perhaps only eloquence there were in the language the right words to force a yielding that would have her pride unoffended he did not regard himself as poor in verbal resource mere storms of words aptly let loose might do them both the service of giving her no chance to talk back she thought he did not understand her it was she who did not understand her complete good fortune in having a man as ready as he was to play any part she wished to see him in just short of the lunatic who would let her go as to that he couldn't it wasn't the way he was made she had no comprehension even now of the strength of his love he thought of this a long time he meditated upon the sweetness of finally holding her and having his clamorous need of her stilled by quiet possession a little thing whose waist he could almost span with his hands whose ankle he could encircle with thumb and finger what was it made her the only girl in the world that counted no inquiry into this question gave results satisfying to the intelligence the expression of her upper lip had something to do with it he thought he grew drowsy and yearnings to give her presents spoil her make her his little queen revive in her that admiration for him which she had not used to conceal so well god almighty how glad he was of the rupture with grace Fenn first a devil and now a dose that had opened the way for grace ingles that last heavy sleep from which he waked with a start and the feeling of having overslept left him enervated languid with his good humour that fine flower of a good appetite good sleep the habit of success notably in eclipse a cold shower bath brought him more nearly up to pitch but could not dispel a most unphilosophical 
impatience with the very nature of things the slowness of time included a most uncharacteristic fear too worried him while in this condition of things going wrong in spite of all the forethought and attention to detail that a man could bring to a good cause he was at the office attending to work when a ray illumined the part of his mind that was not concerning itself with profits or losses to overcome brothers and warned him of one thing that might easily go wrong at the picture of the increase of vexation to him following upon the venom darting of a serpent hacked in two he ground his teeth and dropping work turned his undivided mind upon the subject not at once but after perhaps half an hour of reflection he had his breath-catching inspiration he gave another half hour to examining it then he did an almost unexampled thing for an overcome in the middle of the forenoon he left the store and went home his search for grace was short teresa could tell him where to find her she had seated herself with her book on the part of the bench under the elm that faced away from the house and so could not see him approach sanguine as he felt and sure of his big strength the first glimpse of grace's arm beyond the tree trunk so slender too and clothed in gentle white deprived him of the absolute confidence he was wont to cherish in his power of putting his projects through he reacted valiantly against this lover's nervousness and saying to himself that it was conquer or die this time walked over the grass it was a sweet day of that warmth which has not lost all freshness and sparkle the green had summer's fullness already but no dustiness as yet red could see before she had seen him that grace was not reading her book was on her lap while her eyes were fixed on the ghostly head of a dandelion gone to seed she looked up quickly when his bulk cut off the green glare of the grass and he saw her hand tighten on the edge of her book as if seized with a cramp it rather hurt him and her face which she had smuggled out into the open air hoping that before lunchtime the breeze would have blown away the marks of the night shocked him at the same time that it hurt for the breeze had not done the work expected of it he felt nothing so strongly at the moment as that this must be stopped grace crying herself blind mysterious child when there was he ready to unhitch the moon from the skies to please her isn't this rather unusual she asked in a voice which with the revelations of her face directly under his eyes came as a surprise so controlled it was casual in good form you mean my coming home at this hour of day unusual yes i don't know when i've done it before i don't remember in fact ever doing it may i sit down i notice you don't ask whether i'm sick it's easy to see that you aren't i am then sick to death grace of this situation i can't keep my mind on my work i can't think of anything but you and how to bring things round again now darling girl i have something to say and i want you to hear me out before you bring in anything of your own 
because little one i'm getting to know you words count a lot with you you say something it may be just a whim that makes you and then you feel you've got to stick to it because to give it up would look like weakness so don't say a word before i finish telling you my plan what's going to save us grace we can't go on like this all tangled up in a quarrel about god almighty himself doesn't know what the moment has come when the building's afire and we've got to jump we can't stop to unpick knots we've got to burst our way through the snarl what are we waiting for to get away from this house and folks that you seem to hate so the fifteenth of september for what reason will you tell me has it occurred to you that we don't have to come with me quietly and be married to-day to-morrow or thursday and on saturday we'll start for europe what do you say no don't speak yet the moment we've done that don't you see all this won't count any more than rain in the sea we shall be bride and groom beginning our life together you don't know me in the part of that happy man you'll see whether i'm in earnest about wanting to make you happy we'll have the good old days of the pretoria over again only that i can take care of you as i want to and show that it amounts to something to be the sweetheart and wife of clarence overcome the emotional inflections of his voice reminding him of the early morning thoughts in praise of eloquence he reached after a little poetry you've told me your love for italy i've only been in london for a few days on business you can show me your italy we'll do the thing in style grace what's that passage about a villa on lake como pauline we'll take one then there's venice and gondolas naples and vesuvius rome and ruins florence and what not towers and temples blue grottoes and caves where dogs faint we'll do the whole thing i'll take six months off i'll take a year you'll see you'll see unamiable person what kind of a husband you've got no don't speak yet don't speak at all grace just look at me no don't even look you don't have to make the smallest sign leave it all to me only don't holler when i come with horses and carriage and pick you up and carry you off to be married pretend to faint that will be all the sign i want that you're not so cruel as to wish to break my heart he stopped and watched grace with her book on her lap had been fingering the corner of a page curling it into a tight roll when he ceased talking she smoothed it out and seeing that it would not lie flat took the pains to curl it in the opposite way before she said in her dry manner of that morning out of keeping with the stain of tears plainly to be recognized on her eyelids you are speaking to someone who is not there what do you mean he followed her quickly isn't that clear you are speaking to someone who you think will be moved by what you say and i am not her calm jerked him out of his you look this minute as if you'd cried your eyes out he said with a tempestuousness not free from petulance you look as if you'd halfway gone into a decline with grief and you talk to me like that as if you were perfectly indifferent 
child can't you make up your mind to have a little mercy on me as well as yourself again she took her time before speaking and during the silence ran a careful forefinger round and round a patch of light on her knee it was nearing noon they sat in a tent of shade but through rents here and there sunshine rained down forming little pools now and then at a rustling all these flecks of fairy gold would swing and float unite and sever then lie still again and shine tremulously wind and sun it all kept on in beauty and gladness around these two whose more pressing affairs made it unimportant to them after the gesture of brushing away the sunbeam grace clasped her hands to keep them quiet you need have no anxiety for me i shall do very well i think she said with more of her unfeeling calm as for you did a little emotion creep into her voice or was it an increase of coldness which produced the same effect as for you i am not afraid of breaking your heart what you must do is take the steamer on saturday in any case and go off for a diversion from your cares you may on board meet just the right person to transfer your affections to red stared at her the last sentence forced him to keep still while he revolved it then he burst forth almost as much in relief as in anger is that what the matter is who's been talking to you a thing that everybody knows is not easily kept secret nobody in this house did it all the same i know how you got it when did she do it i should like to see her letter of lies now just listen to my side of the story and see whether you've got anything to feel sore about it's true that i was in love with her why should i have told you about it just to upset you i made a fool of myself i won't conceal it and what did i get fairness decent consideration she'd promise one minute to marry me she'd take my gifts fast enough but she couldn't treat me fairly even when she was letting me kiss her to heart's content she played with me like the damn flirt she is she's been in canada where she got a fancy for titles a canadian friend with a handle to his name came to town a little insignificant high-nosed stick in the mud and i was made a supernumerary a back number the canadian was played off on me and i on the canadian whether she really thought she'd like to be called lady or just wanted a chance to refuse a title i was made ridiculous my objections to the part were funny her way of looking when i'd lose my temper i was funny when i'd had enough of it i broke away as sick of grace finn i swear to you as i ever expect to be of anything in my life the thing ended it ended right there when i've had enough i've had enough go too far with me and it's like the scales you overload one plate the other comes up it isn't safe with me to go beyond the line i draw if you feel the least inclined to jealousy on her account you can drop it i hated her when i ran away to try to change the current of my thoughts i've hated her ever since she could no more get me back 
than bring the dead to life. She's tried, and tried her best. It would have done you good to hear me talk to her in our last interview, which took place not so awfully long ago. You are mistaken. It would not have done the good. It does not flatter or gratify me, whatever your righteous motives for wrath, to have me taken up as an instrument with which to punish another person. My God, Grace, this fighting with words will drive me insane. You were not an instrument. You were a godsend. After that empty-headed bunch of vanity, your modesty, your reserve, your quiet sweetness and refinement, is it a wonder I tumbled head over heels in love with you? And in a way as different as you are, different? As the heart panteth after the water brooks, I was after you like a shot. You remember? You don't doubt, do you, Grace, that I fell in love with you? There was an interval while, again curling a leaf of her book, she appeared to consider the thing impartially. No, I don't suppose I do. The trouble is that I don't want it now. There is just one thing I want. I have told you what it is. I want to go away from here. Look me in the face, Grace. Do you care one little bit about me? She complied without hesitation with his request to look him in the face, and in her eyes of determined detachment the glimmer grew of a tricksy expression with which he was familiar. She smiled oddly. Which do I have to say in order to be let go? You mean you're ready to lie to get your own way. You can lie, but your eyes can't. Say what you please. Your eyes tell a different story, in spite of all you do to conceal it. I know. I know I can't conceal the fact that I cried all night. It was dreadful. But the dreadfulest thing about it is that I could never make you understand why I cried like that. It was like forest fires that rage hour after hour. Then they are put out with damp sand. All I have here, now, she pressed her hands, one over the other, against her breast, is damp sand. It's a wonderful relief. The fire is out to the last spark, Clarence. You had better believe it, and give me the pennies that I regard as belonging to me, and let me go to my sister, for I shall never be the slightest good to you in the world after this. He burst into a laugh, whose ring would have made the children uneasy in the house of the ogre who had given them shelter for the night. You are speaking to someone, my love, who isn't there. No, oh, snow peaks and frostbites. If you think that when you've got me where I can't live without you, I'm going to give you up with less fuss than a tooth, you aren't thinking of overcomes. I'd have to be a thundering fool, and you'd be the first to think me one. Child, can't you see? You're indulging a mood, a whim. You don't know yourself what you want. You don't know yourself what you want. And you expect me to act as if it were my mood, too, my whim, and I didn't know either what I wanted. What will happen if I let you go? Nobody can tell. While you're here, though you're not always a perfect joy, I know at least where to find you. If you go, 
the possibility is there'll be one flat-chested old maid the more in the world if you stay there'll be a wedding in september if not before he really did not see why she should not all at once be blazing angry he had not meant any melodramatic threat of force he was expressing a mere incapacity to believe she was in earnest expressing the assurance merely derived from a varied experience of the feminine character that by september or before her mood would have changed but it was as if he had touched a match to pine pitch she started to her feet and stood quivering like a little racehorse transfixing him with coruscating eyes what will happen in september i do not know she said with lips that made missiles of the words as they gushed free from that agitated fountain i may succeed in getting away from here before that or not god knows i shall do my best but you have methods in this house that i am not used to and am no match for don't think i don't know that i am watched and followed robbed and deceived i'm in a trap i'm in a prison you count on my not having friends or money it looks just now as if i hadn't any i own still it may turn out you were wrong but about one thing nothing will make any difference and that is about marrying you red overcome you can keep me here under guard and you may be able to get me to the altar but you can't make me say yes i will say no 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 i will say it aloud i will scream it before everybody i am not a hen you will find out do you see this she raised her right hand though so delicate it for the moment looked still strong i swear it by everything i believe in i swear it now don't you think you might as well let me go he had been watching her from under a gathering frown at first of puzzlement and gradually as her tirade progressed toward its climax of less scattered and floating emotions she looked back at him with eyes of intense and indignant earnestness recalling her father's when he had denounced a tyranny or declared a bitter truth the jilted man must obviously be allowed a little time to grasp the new ideas presented to him but he adjusted himself more quickly than might have been expected yes he said breathing audibly i do he was angry too no doubt but instead of growing redder like her he had grown pale rigidity invested him to the lips his yes i do would have given her greater cheer had he not at the moment of saying it looked so dangerous still the words that set her free had been spoken it becoming certain in a moment more that there was to be no outburst from him of reproach or pleading her relief was increased on the one side and on the other her uneasiness when do you want to go he asked in a manner that indicated how definitely she had by words that never could be recalled or forgiven cut herself loose from him and placed herself beyond some mysterious pale oh any time she said eagerly to-day to-morrow it doesn't matter so much if i only knew that i surely can go will saturday do 
I can't very conveniently leave before that. It was her turn, taken aback, to be silent when she tried to grasp a new idea. No, she said. I am going alone. I wish to go alone. I am going with you. You are going to be escorted to your sister's door and deposited there like a bundle of returned goods. She looked in his eyes for help to understand him, but that peculiar and baffling withdrawal of expression had taken place which made him appear like a stranger, a sinister stranger this time, a bad stranger. No, she said more firmly, I am going by myself. You're going with me or you're not going. The hint of brutality in his peremptory voice affected her very curiously. There could be no mistake about his being blackly angry. The tide of red had returned to his face, darker than ever. The veins in his forehead stood forth, swollen and purplish. He, too, could snarl with his eyebrows, she saw, like Alec overcome. Why should I trust you? he came out violently. How do I know where you intend to go? I know mighty little about you, it turns out. You're going with me, or you're not going. Very well, said Grace, after another silence. I will be ready for Saturday. End of chapter 22